Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. Though we're not going to be so live tonight, we are very privileged to share with you a special presentation uh, by Peter Herbeck. And the context of this presentation that we are going to play tonight is something we call Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. And I want to direct you to massimpact.us and click on Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. What's this all about? Well, at the heart of the over 100 Ignites and over 20,000 encounters with Jesus Christ, a number of us recognized that what we most need is to be united in personal, family, and parish discipleship. We need contexts of support and encouragement to really live this out in ways that will impact our personal lives, our family lives, and certainly overflowing into our parishes. And so that's what this is all about. And again, I encourage you to check it out at massimpact.us, Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. And we're just delighted at the number of families that are um, getting on board, that are saying yes to this. Um, As an occasion of encouragement, every couple months, we invite a dynamic speaker to join us in kind of a fireside chat environment. So we have beverages and usually some uh, appetizers. It's a great context for us to pray, for us to kind of share what's going on briefly, and then to be addressed by a relevant, compelling issue that uh, will hopefully encourage us and challenge us to more fully, fully live personal, family, and parish discipleship. So our very first one was presented by Peter Herbeck, and uh, we invite you to stay tuned for his roughly 40-minute uh, sharing with us in this setting that um, all of us have been continually talking about ever since. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin Jesus is calling So everybody, our dear listeners, we have entered into Passion Tide these days leading up to the holiest week of the year. Um, last week we talked a little bit about if you haven't done anything or you've let your Lenten uh, commitments fall, now's the time to really kick it in. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Keep on pressing on. You know, it's like the last leg of the race where you just give it all you got. particular during these days leading up and on those days specifically set aside some personal prayer time special personal prayer time with the Lord whether it's quiet whether it's really um, spending time in the word um, just do it just allow him to draw you more deeply into relationship with him and 
um, focus, as Greg was saying, personal comes first, that personal discipleship, then family, then parish. And I think quite often we have those uh, out of order. And certainly, you know, the parish, we are so blessed here in Toledo with so many wonderful priests and so many wonderful parishes and so many different activities that go on. Allow those activities and opportunities to enhance that personal and family uh, discipleship. Steph, I'm going to back it up a second. I introduced tonight, and we're looking forward, of course, to hearing Peter in a few moments. Back it up to this idea of mass impact kingdom builders. So we've got kind of really two levels. We've got what we might say the global level, where anybody can go online. Anybody can go to massimpact.us and download this Live It Gathering Guide as an easy way to talk and pray as families, and there's also a group edition. And and the influence that that's having, so that's one thing I want you to maybe share, um, Stephanie, what you're experiencing with folks who are doing that. The second level for our listeners to understand is we're also uh, doing a parish build, if you will. We are um, actively partnering with a few parishes uh, who've said yes over a longer season to help them, to help their core teams become a kind of core community that will overflow to the entire parish community. So there's, you might say, I don't like the word program, but there's kind of a plan or program that is emerging. One is Most Blessed Sacrament, so blessed to be united with uh, Monsignor Billion and 12 wonderful disciples in that parish that's geared toward overflowing and reaching every single person in the parish and community. Another that's uh, up to bat is St. Peter's Huron uh, in both of these parishes. We did a three-night parish mission, uh, each night corresponding to a movement of the life of Christ, empty, fill, and overflow. And that's special, just to be entering into the very life of Jesus. And at each of these parish missions, not just an adult track, but a youth track, which makes it very accessible uh, to young people, which is pretty cool. And so that's unveiling right now also, and we've been privileged with these teams to be meeting with them and doing this live it gathering and see the anointing of God's grace in their lives. So, Steph, what has been uh, your experience on both of those levels? You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken and great are you Lord absolutely um, on, on both levels but let me focus on the parish level first it has been a real grace and gift to see how the Lord is working and blessing the time that they have set aside committed and it's not easy everybody's busy everybody has stuff you know everybody has distractions Um, Everybody has a full calendar, but the fact that they have committed to this specific time to grow both personally and as a core group in their parish, and the graces are so evident um, without, you know, going into specific personal details with the stuff that they've shared, just for many life-changing stuff is going on. 
Keep in mind that most of these people have been active churchgoers. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, they found something new and but committed to go deeper. And the Lord is just blessing that sacrifice of commitment and time and truly drawing them closer to Him and to each other through their parents. So I know a lot of folks don't like the text, <laughs> group text chain. Uh, you know, somebody has a birth of a child or whatever it may be, and they <clears throat> add 30 people to that list, and then you're getting dings for the next, you know, five hours. Um, but this is, uh, we do have the 12 members of the Most Blessed Sacrament team, and I think there's good discretion in how it's used. Somebody will often share, if you will, a thought or word or scripture passage. Um, and I think for all of us, it has just been a, a great, good encouragement. Um, and one of the, uh, a couple times, people have shared um, beautifully that uh, they took it upon themselves, say for, for dinner, to simply um, invite the family to do what we call the five questions or the daily questions. So instead of just <clears throat> gathering for dinner, let's just start there, how awesome that is, to make it meaningful and to say, okay guys, here's five questions in this Live It Gathering Guide. Let's just, maybe this dinner, let's talk about these and uh, throw out there, what are you grateful for? What's a victory of your day or an achievement? What's a challenge? What's an affirmation? What's something new? And somebody, <clears throat> one of these text messages, had had shared how impactful it was to do that. And then later at the meeting, the, the very same person had said, you know, in doing this for the last couple weeks, I'm experiencing an entire culture change in our home. Yes, extraordinary in the ordinary. Um, too often we put things off because we think, you know, it has to be the perfect time, the perfect place, the perfect moment. And we know, right, if we're honest, that that never, ever happens. So to take the already existing places of uh, gathering or encounter with each other and plug it in in those moments, you know, again, very practical just during supper. We are teaching our families a language of faith, a language of communication that unfortunately in today's day and age is so rare and so foreign and... Um, as parents in particular, it is our responsibility, you know, to, to pass that along, to teach them how to do it. Imagine how tragic it would be if we didn't care about um, teaching our children to talk, right? Or um, teaching them the things that they needed to know to become responsible people and citizens in this great country of ours. Well, how about our citizenship in heaven? And I don't want to sound preachy or judgy or anything like that, but just getting right to the heart of it, for too many years we've, we've put off, you know, the faith formation of our children on the Catholic schools or religious ed or, you know, the, our dear parish priests preaching on Sunday mornings when we know over and over and again the church teaches us about the domestic church and how the parents are the primary educators of their children and that education is one of faith. You know, I remember the first time I stood before my very first class, I was a teacher way back when, in a former lifetime, a classroom teacher, and um, just feeling this 
immense, awesome, literally awesome responsibility that these children in front of me, I was responsible for. And not just educating, you know, whatever subjects I happened to be teaching that year, but that I was responsible too, that the Lord placed them before me with their soul formation too. And so fast forward, however many years after that, as we were blessed with children, gosh, you know, just that realization that the Lord gives us the gift of children to give them back to him, you know, in heaven someday, to allow them the opportunities to come to know, love, and serve him in this world, to be happy with him forever and the next. And it starts in conversation. It starts with the words that we say. It starts with you know, certainly catechesis is so important, and we need to teach them the basics of our faith. But can we help to form a relationship, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ? And to go back to what we started with, that practical place of the the dining room table or the kitchen table, just the conversation, to place questions before them. Hey, what's a victory of your day? What, do you, what struggles do you have and what was a challenge today? What's something new? Is there anyone you want to affirm? Just to place those things. What are some things that we're grateful to God for? You know, and even with that question, it's great and it's a beautiful start for lots of good people to say, what are you grateful for? So we count our blessings and we move from there. But are we even using the right language in saying, what do we want to give God thanks for? Or thank you, Lord, for? Or to place it in a context of faith, because so much in our world is so centered on, you know, the strength we have within or what we have come to bring about. And every now and again, we, you know, give the Lord a nod. But is it grounded and centered in the language of Jesus Christ in particular and the blessing of our Catholic faith. Are we not drawn, brothers and sisters, listening right now to be united in this? Do we not have a sense of of God's power, real power, his real presence alive in us and a desire to be united together in, uh, in communicating this to the world around us, certainly in our families, but to others? So we invite you again to um, check out massimpact.us Mass Impact Kingdom Builders, and uh, unite with a mighty emerging movement with a lot of uh, exciting things unveiling. And uh, with that, we're going to enter into a prayer here. And on the other side, we will hear Peter Herbex uh, addressing us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord Jesus, we proclaim you as Lord. You are overall. Our very existence is held together in your love, in your very being. And we give you permission, God, to have dominion over our minds, over our hearts, over our affections, over our relationships, over our memories, over our sins. Conquer us, Lord. We give you permission. Have dominion over us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, as you reveal yourself to us, give us the courage to say yes, not simply in the good token ways of our lives. And all of us are there, God but to say yes totally and completely, irrevocably, God, to say, Lord, do with me as you will. All I am is yours. Lead us together, Lord Jesus, to be all the more all in and to be that occasion for one another. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
What can I possibly do? What can the church do? What can my parish do? What can my little mass impact movement do in this world that's just running crazy away from God and apparently every day getting more hostile to what I believe and what I'm thinking? Who wins? The lowly, the humble, the broken, those who say, Thy will be In the following presentation, dynamic author and speaker Peter Herbeck addresses Catholic couples committed to advancing the kingdom within their homes and parishes through an emerging movement called Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. Peter expresses the missionary urgency of this moment in history and God's anointing on small communities committed to living as missionary disciples. To find out more about Mass Impact Kingdom Builders, please go to massimpact.us. Greg told me I have three hours, so I better get started. It's a, a time, I was just thinking today as I was praying for our time together and kind of what to share, I'll just share with you what felt like was on my heart. And uh, I want to start with yesterday, which was what? What did we celebrate yesterday? Conception. Immaculate Conception, right? And I had this experience yesterday of reading, I happened to read an article after Mass when I went home. Uh, after reflecting on the Blessed Mother and who she was, and I, was, I read an article that was talking about what sort of the masters of the universe, I don't know if maybe if you guys saw this, the billionaire, the billionaire grouping of famous people like Mark Zuckerberg and Sergey Brin and Peter Thiel and Larry Ellison from Oracle and uh, Larry Page from Google and these guys, they're talking about the gigantic amount of money that these guys are putting into... Um, the tech billionaires are putting into reversing the aging process. And uh, they're, uh, they're working hard on brain-computer interface to make it possible to sort of immortalize human beings, for human beings to, to live for a very, very long time. Uh, Larry Ellison from Oracle just gave $430 million for the project. Larry Page, $750 million from Google. I mean, billions and billions and billions of dollars for this. And uh, ironically, Bill Gates is not doing it. And here's what he said. He said, it seems pretty ego-centered. While we still have people dying of malaria and have TB for rich people to fund things so they can live longer. I thought, well, that's a good word, Bill. But I, th- I began to think about the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and where these guys are. And why, is it, why does it matter to our conversation right now tonight? Because you have two worlds. You have two different worlds. You have, here these guys are, the most, some of those, the richest, most powerful, gifted people the world has ever seen. And they're increasingly, as they get a little bit older, passionate about extending their own lives. They're afraid to die. St. Paul says in Hebrews chapter, the writer of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 said, it's the strategy of the devil to enslave the human race through the fear of death. We're living at a time when the recent popes have told us, Pope Benedict XVI, that humanity is pushing God from the human horizon. How many of you feel that? Yeah, right? Amen. And he said, when, when humanity pushes God from the human horizon, God who is light, the light which comes from God, here we are in this Advent season, there's a, a theme of light, right? It's going to be with us all the way till Christmas and after. Behold, the light has come. The light of God has come. In him, was, in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. 
it reveals the light that is Christ reveals that God exists, that God is love, that God knows us, and that the eternal life which comes from God has come to us. The answer to the great fear that can dominate the human race is in a person. It's in Jesus. He passed from death to life. He's begun the new creation. And the church is therefore the light and the salt of the world. We're now in a culture where humanity's pushing God away. Pope Benedict said, what ends up happening is darkness settles in on the human mind. And he says, what we're witnessing is humanity is losing its bearings. It's losing hold of reality. And so we don't even know. It's getting so nuts. We don't know what a man is. We don't know what a woman is. We don't know what marriage is. We don't know these fundamental things that everybody's always known. The smartest, most educated, most powerful, influential culture in the history of the world is losing its mind. And the wheels are falling off. Because God, who is light, is being pushed away and man cannot understand himself, herself, without the revelation of God, the ground of our being. So, why is that important for our conversation tonight? And what does it have to do with yesterday? Well, here the masters of the universe in their fear of death are using every resource. I got to stay alive. I got to extend my life. I got to fight death. And I want to remain who I am and remain influential and important and on the throne and all the rest of it, of life. I want to remain a master of the universe. I don't ever want to die. The same day we're in church and we hear the story. Remember the story of what God did with this, this young woman, this little girl. Mary, no money, no power, no influence, no name, no political connections, no nothing. And she is today the queen of heaven and earth. God raises the humble and he humbles the proud. There's an enormously important message in Our Lady that ought to give us great strength. Because we're living at a time when the mind is worshipped, when power and money is worshipped, like almost no other time in our history. And ordinary people can feel super intimidated and powerless and like nobodies. And what, what can I possibly do? What can the church do? What can my parish do? What can my little mass impact movement do in this world that's just running crazy away from God and apparently every day getting more hostile to what I believe and what I'm thinking? And it's, it can be very intimidating, don't you think? Here we are. Who wins? That's what yesterday was about. Who wins? The lowly, the humble, the broken. Those who say, thy will be done. And eternal life, glory eternal for, in God forever is a gift. Man wants to build Babel over and over and over again. We want to build a tower to heaven. We want to save ourselves and fix ourselves and make it all happen. It can't happen. Because man was made for God. And, and eternal life and everything the human heart longs for is a gift. And it's given to us. This is why the church is the light of the world. This is why the church now doesn't need to be afraid. This is why the church has something the world longs for, but maybe doesn't even, obviously doesn't see. Do we actually think that Sergei Brin has the treasure and the answer for the world? I mean, he might be a really fine guy. I'm not here to trash him. I'm just saying 
you in you is the answer to what those brothers, those men long for. They want to live forever, but they've grown up in a world and everything that there is nothing but there's nothing but this. And there's we got nothing. It's the sky is made of lead. There is no God. We know the fantasy's over. What are we going to do now? Well, we're going to do everything we can. What we have is our wits and our money, and we have to save ourselves. And what saving means is extending our life. That's what happens to the human mind when there is no hope, when there's no light. But we know the light has come. And so here we are in the season of Advent. I thought tonight, what a great time to meet. The day after the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is so encouraging and so amazing. That girl is literally the queen of heaven and earth. It's astounding. She's been crowned and enthroned and she's living in glory. And she's the first disciple to go receive what awaits all of us. Do you know that? All of us are given a share in the majesty and the reign and the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what we know as Christians, right? We are literally, as St. Peter said, becoming partakers of the divine nature. We've got the gold. That's why St. John says, how do you overcome the world? Our faith overcomes the world. In you is a power greater than that is in the world. Greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that's in you and you and you than he that's in the world. What do you mean? Greater than Bill Gates? Greater than ISIS? Greater than all the things people are, are, are preoccupied by or afraid of? Yeah. Yeah. Because everything else is going to pass away. And guess what? You know that. And so it ought to free you to hear what God is saying to the church. This is your moment. Here we are in Advent. Father touched on it. We're looking toward the second coming. Advent, which leads to Christmas, is historically, we're looking in both directions, right? We look back to Christmas. We look back to the incarnation when the transformation and the new creation really began. God's antidote, God's answer to the human problem. Began with the Incarnation, so we wait for Christmas. But the fathers of the church always looked in the other direction as well for the second coming. It's a, it's a season of readiness, of what time is it? What time is it right now? What's happening in the world? Well, the church says, because Scripture says that we're living in the, in the last hour. The final age of human history has begun with Jesus Christ. And now the church exists is that is that kingdom reality that exists in the world between the two comings of Christ. The first time he came as a lamb in mercy. The second time he will come again in glory to do what? To judge the living and the dead. We say it all the time, every Sunday. So the church knows that. We know where human history is going. We know the destiny of the human race. And so this time that we live in is a time of mercy for the whole world. When the gospel goes out to the world through the church to bring light to the world that doesn't see it and doesn't understand it. So we go out with mercy, not with judgment, not with hardened hearts, not with arrogance, but we go out in humility and saying, we know the one who's passed from death to life. We know him. We know why we're here. So here we are in the season of readiness. The Spirit speaks to us about what time we're living in. Let me, read, let me just read to you, underlining some of the things that Pope Francis said. One of the things that's clearly part of Advent, but also part of the message that's come to us from the recent popes over and over again, is we're living at a time of great urgency for the world, wouldn't you say? And a time of great testing for the church. 
and the messages, the kind of message that John Paul II gave us, Pope Benedict XVI, and now Pope Francis. Pope Francis. We're entering a new phase of evangelization for the world. He said, but we need to begin with the understanding, Evangelium Gaudium number 273. I am a mission in this world. I've been created for mission. He said, you are branded. Branding. You got any farmers here who brand cattle or anybody do that? We are branded by the Spirit of God given to us in baptism for mission. Another part he said, we're sealed. We've been branded and sealed by Christ to live a missionary lifestyle, right where we are. And he said, we have to see ourselves as being fundamentally missionary. He goes on. He said, and that mission is going to lead us to come out of our comfort zone. He said, the Holy Spirit is calling all of us forth to come out of our comfort zones. It's not so easy for an American to do that. We have been grooved. Man, we, live, we live in the most comfortable, wealthiest society the world has ever seen. And it's all been geared toward, in part, all of us thinking about how important it is for us to be maximally comfortable and maximally safe and maximally distracted. You know what I'm saying? Our culture is set against the difficult decision of coming out of our comfort zone to be countercultural and to be fundamentally missionary personally and our family and our home and how we raise our kids, our parishes. He goes on. He said, and each of the baptized is permanently in a state of mission. You ever think about yourself that way? He's trying to help us remember who we are and what time we live in, in this time of missionary, of mercy, of the going forth of the kingdom. And they're saying, it's you, not just the saints. You are the saints now who bear the message of faith that is being sent personally called by Christ according to your gift, your talents, to enter into the mission and understand every day when I get up. I'm a man, I'm a woman on mission. I've been literally called by Jesus and I have this much time. Advent reminds us the clock is ticking and we're all going to be dead soon. You're all thinking, why did they invite this guy? <laughs> this is depressing. But this is, this is one of the most important truths that we have to know. America doesn't want us to think about it. I mean, modern culture doesn't want to think about death because it doesn't have an answer to it. Well, we know our life is short. It's a passing shadow. Scripture says it's a breath. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. We've got one shot. And the king is talking to us. Literally, Jesus Christ, through the recent vicars, through the Holy Spirit, he's, they're telling us the urgency with which the Holy Spirit is, is stirring all of us into church to face the astounding battle that the church is now entering into. Do you feel it? Do you ever feel it in your own bones? If you don't, you need to know it. And not, as John Paul said, never be afraid. You are and you bear within you the antidote, the solution. God made you to make your mark at this time. So when the king calls you home and you stand before him, you won't have to feel like, oh, Jesus, you saved me in the last hour. Oh, now that I see you, I wish I would have done more. Why was I so afraid of everybody? Why? Why was I so fixed on comfort and my own pleasure and, 
and all of that. What was I so scared of? Can I have a second chance? Can I go back, Lord, and just tell more people about you? I mean, he'll save us, but we want, we want more than just to be saved to get in. We want to be able to look at the king and he, him smiling and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You took hits for me. You got it. You heard what my spirit said through the vicar of Christ, through my mother who I sent time and time again in this time in history. And you manned up. Or you womaned up. Let me put it that way. Right? <laughs> Friends, we, we, we only have a short time. We literally bear this message. We, we have this grace not so we can hunker down and, and be safe and get me and my kids to heaven. Jesus wants to do in us what he does with all the saints. Read all their lives. They always have a great zeal for the salvation of souls and they want to spend their lives because they know one soul, one person, is more valuable than everything. A few years ago, my, my family, we took my family to Israel. Actually, we, we went with my wife's uh, father, my, my wife's mother. My mother-in-law died. My wife, Debbie's Jewish. She comes from a Jewish family. And after her mom died... Her dad wanted to take her siblings and the grandkids to Israel. And, uh, and so Debbie's the only uh, Catholic, the only believer in Messiah, Jesus as Messiah. So we went to Israel and all my kids were there. And we came back, uh, most of the kids, and flew back to this area with uh, my father-in-law. But then Debbie and I and my son Joshua stayed in New York City because he was going to West Point like two days after we landed. He was starting his first days there. So... Um, I couldn't sleep at night, I had bad jet lag, and so I'd wake up like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd go out in Manhattan, and I'd walk for like four hours. New York City really doesn't ever sleep, but it's an amazing place. And i just walk up and down, and I remember at one point having a feeling like, man, you can just feel the energy in this place. In the park, I want to have more. And something in me is like, I want to have more of this, you know? I, I want to have more power, I want to have more money, I, I just want to go for it. I want to do something to build a giant building like this one or that one. You know what I mean? I just, I just felt it in me, you know, and it was just really strong. And, and uh, I was telling Debbie about it. And uh, the last night we were there, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was walking down the st- busy street of Manhattan, sort of like 5 or 6 o'clock at night, traffic everywhere. And all of a sudden, in an instant, everybody disappeared. All the traffic stopped. Every human being was gone. The, hall, the streets were empty except me. And I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I hear a baby crying. And I'm trying to follow this voice in my dream, this baby crying. And I get down like Park Avenue, and I made a turn, and I saw down the street a baby lying on a blanket in the middle of the street. And so I walk down, and in my dream I pick up this baby, and I'm looking in the eyes of this baby, and I felt like the Lord said, now, now look up around you. Look at everything you see. This massive city, this enormous creation of human energy, which is an amazing thing, really, right? And he said, now look at the baby. Do you know that this child is of infinite value and will never pass away? Everything around you is going away. Everything is of limited value. This child... I came from heaven to die for this child. I didn't come to die for Wall Street. I didn't come to die for Hollywood or or Ann Arbor. 
which God loves. He came to die for every human being created in the image. Okay, the Buckeyes. I forgot about the Buckeyes. Sorry. He loves the evil empire up north. You know what I mean? He loves it. But, but you know what I'm saying? And so all of a sudden, it just, it just hit me. Like, do the math. Like the Lord's saying, do the math, Pete. Do the math, man. I know this is all attractive. And when you're walking and you're seeing all that power and that money and that influence, you feel like, gosh, the thing I'm doing is nothing. I mean, who, who, who pays attention to what I do? You know what I mean? What we do. We're just small and we're, we're almost nothing in this world. This is where the action is, man. Here's where you can impact people and impact the world, you know? And she said, don't be silly. Do the math, son. The gold in this world and what heaven and hell are fighting for is eternal souls. That's what's going on. And we're living at a time when large portions of the Catholic Church have forgotten this. We're we're living at a time, our time on earth happens to be the time when we've watched Europe the faith in Europe collapsed almost. A great apostasy, Pope John Paul II called it, the European apostasy has happened before our eyes. I do a lot of work in Canada. All the arrows pointing down across Canada for the most part. The United States, in an increasing way, the arrows are pointing down. People are forgetting God. People are walking away from God. And there's a great spiritual battle going on to, to lead people to be indifferent to God and to silence the church. Why do you think in our time right now, this great battle in the culture is going on, we talked about over dinner, all the LGBT stuff and same-sex marriage and all that kind of stuff, and every Catholic in the country either believes it or wants, doesn't want to say a word about what they really believe because of the pressure and the force that's coming against us to genuflect to what the world wants. To be silent about it. The devil's trying to corner the church and to silence the church, which is the one antidote to the great battle that's going on in our culture. Right? A little more on Pope Francis, and then we'll... Every Christian is challenged here and now to directly engage the new evangelization in this hour of the church. So there's that urgency. The second thing he talks about is the Holy Spirit a lot. That fuels that response. It's the Holy Spirit who moves us, makes it possible for us to do the math and understand it and have an eternal perspective, and then to see ourselves in the context of it. And he said, so I love this line. He says, so every disciple now, every Catholic is called to be fearlessly open to the Holy Spirit. Say that with me fearlessly open to the Holy Spirit. You say, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Well, for sure He's calling us to be engaged in the new evangelization, every one of us right now, to discern how we're supposed to do that. You guys are all involved in mass impact. That's part of how you're doing it. All of you have families. That's another place that you do it. Your jobs is a place that you do it. But So we know we're called to it. And He said, God, what do you want me to do? I don't want you to hunker down and protect yourself and seek security. I want you to find your security in me. And what I want is for you to be fearlessly open to the Holy Spirit. What a great thing to pray every day. Lord, make me fearlessly open to the Holy Spirit. Help me taste what that is. Help me see it. 
let that be a reality in my life before I die, you know? I'd like to really know what that is and express that in my life according to how you made me, right? So urgency, surrender to the Holy Spirit. And then I think prophetically what you guys are doing in Mass Impact is, is such an important thing because the battle, the battle is going on in family life. That, that's really the ground of the battle. The devil's trying to destroy family, which is the domestic church, which is the foundation of the church. That's why there's so much confusion about identity, all that stuff. There's a big battle going on to obliterate family so that eternal souls do not grow up with the care of mom and dad, the imaging of God in mom and dad, the security of knowing the love of mom and dad that images God's love. That's the big battle that's going on. And there's a battle going on in parishes. I've, seen, I've been all over the world, you guys, and I see places where the counterculture, the counter-revolution in the church is happening against the world in an effective way. But almost, the, almost I don't know, I'll just put a figure on it, 85% of it is in the movements in the church. The lay movements, some religious orders. There's some parishes and some dioceses. But it's, there's very few parishes in, in, the, in the first world that have successfully, successfully battled, fruitfully grew in the face of the post-Christian culture that we're living in. That's why the church is declining. It's extremely difficult because so many baptized people are very connected to the world. They're worldly. Not I'm not making a personal judgment on their heart, but they've been formed in the world and they've been formed very little in the faith and they're not yet disciples. And they don't know how to. They don't even see how they're attached to the world. They don't know. They just want to, they want to be good. They want to love people. They want to be nice people. But they don't they don't recognize the conformity to the world that's going on in their lives. I just talked to a, priest, a deacon yesterday who's in a parish in the Ann Arbor area, and he goes, man, uh, actually it's St. Mary's Parish Student Chapel. And he goes, I'm working with all these couples, and I'll be darned, Herbs, he said, uh, nine out of ten are living together. That company, they're living together. And they don't, see, they don't see it as a big deal. And it's, why? Because that's the milieu they're in. That's the culture they're in. That's the, because it's not that big of a deal, because the world is full of anxiety about, well, you better have money, so live together, save your money, right? And do all these things without having the eternal perspective that says, you know what, that's probably not wise. That's probably not a wise thing for us to do because we end up sleeping together. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't offend God. Let's trust God because disciples trust God in the face of very difficult challenges, right? And they're not yet mature in Christ. And so they become food for a wild beast. The culture, you know, lays hold of them, and they become conformed to the culture. So I was telling Greg uh, a while back, I was in Holland, had this experience in Holland a couple of years ago, went to visit uh, a bishop friend of mine who's on the, the Papal Biblical Commission. His name is Bishop Jan Leeson. And i got to say, of all the places in the world, Holland might be the most secular place I've ever been. Yeah, it is, is mind-blowing, isn't it? I mean, it just so happened. I mean, and it's interesting because Holland for centuries, you guys, was... 95, 94% Christian. It was Protestant and Catholic, sort of split. Very strong Christian nations. And it's collapsed. And um, so I went to see this guy. There's a lot that I saw. I don't have time to tell you, but I went to see this bishop. 
And uh, he's a wonderful guy, and we spent some time talking, and it was a beautiful Friday toward the end of the day. He said, let's go for a walk. And he lives in this gigantic, not a castle, but a big place that reminds you of a time of Christendom when, when the Catholic Church had lots of influence and power and the bishop lived in a big, beautiful place because he was an influential person. He's got like 80 rooms or something in the place and he and one other person live there and that's it. And so we go downtown, which is just a few blocks from his house and you have all these, these you know, European streets, so all these bars and restaurants and people are all sitting in there. They, they don't sit in circles and talk. They're all facing the street you know, on both sides so they watch all the action. And the streets were packed with people. And he's taking me around and showing me different things. And, you know, he's there with the bishop and he's got, his, he's got his chain on, you know, from his cross that's in his pocket. And we're bumping into people. I'm saying hi to people. They say hi to me. And after about an hour of being there, we're walking back home. And it just dawned on me that not one person said hello to the bishop. Not one person. And we got back to the house and we're sitting down. I said, Bishop, I don't want to... I want to ask you a question. Something really struck me. I don't want to bring up something that might be hard to think about, but can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, Bishop, did anybody say hello to you? He said, no. I said, why not? He said, welcome to Holland. Welcome to Holland. The Catholic bishop of the city who lives two blocks, three blocks away from where we were, people were just indifferent. No hostility, no direct hostility. Maybe there's some in their heart, but just indifferent. Who cares? Who cares? You know? So we're talking, and I said, Bishop, you know, what's, is, there, is there anything in your diocese that's working? How's your diocese? And he said, well, most parishes are, he inherited the diocese about three, four years ago, you know, from that time. And he said, most of the parishes have collapsed. And uh, I said, is there any place in the diocese that's growing? He said, yeah, there's two parishes. And I said, well, why are they growing? He goes, because 15 years ago, my predecessor gave them to the neocatechumenate movement. And they're growing. And they're thriving. What's the neocatechumenate movement? It's just a lay movement in the church that does some of the things that you guys do in Mass Impact, bring people together, teach families how to pray. Small little communities together that come together every week and share where you're seeing God. They pray the rosary. They have Eucharist together. They're amazing. They're growing all over Europe. And it was such an important teaching for me, you guys, as I got back on the subway. It happened to be in, in Amsterdam. It happened to be their annual gay pride weekend. So, so the, the, the city was filled with some of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. And on the train, this is no joke, I'm on the train. And all these gay guys are there with him. I'm visiting with some of them, you know, and uh, they're dressed in very strange ways. And we stop and we get off the subway at one point and there's a greeter there, a guy. And he literally, you guys, he had the body of a, just a rock star gymnast, this guy. He was kind of about 5'9". And he was wearing a tutu. He was wearing like a, like a female tutu. Like, is that what it is? Like a little skirt with a little... So he's standing there, he's, he's wearing that with a little bonnet on his head. This guy's just rocked. And he's helping, he's like a, a welcomer, he's a, he's a greeter for these guys, you know. And I'm just thinking, what's happening to the world? What the heck is going on? You know, you know I'm just like, help, somebody help, you know. And, but I thought, right here, in one of the most secularized, conquered places in the world, the Catholic Church is thriving where Catholic lay people, with the help of a priest, are radically surrendered to living for Christ 
in a pattern of life, daily prayer, reading of scripture, living, being accountable to one another, supporting each other, and they are really missionary. And it's growing. It's growing. Where the church has no power is when she gets conformed to the world. What's the answer in modern culture, postmodern culture? Let's be more like the world, then people will listen to us. Let's believe what the world wants us to believe, and we'll be more relevant. That's a total lie, right? What we need to be is more radical. We need to be more radically Catholic. We need to be dialed in, single-minded, single-hearted, to say, okay, Lord, I hear you calling. I heard John Paul II, who lived through some of the worst stuff anybody's ever seen in, in Poland, right? The First World War, Second World War. And he comes out on the balcony and he says what to us? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Cardinal de Lubeck, I love this line. I think about it all the time. He goes, a disciple should never be surprised when the world acts worldly. When the world is the world. The world is not the kingdom. And we literally are, we've landed, as C.S. Lewis said, you know, in a, in a uh, we're like, you know, behind enemy lines, as it were. And now we're waking up because America has been such an amazingly friendly place to Christianity for so long. It's been such a blessed nation. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. And I'm, not, I'm not suggesting we should let go of responsibility or anything like that in the culture, but our main thing has to be, wait a minute, I'm living at a time of really shocking transformation and the captain of the armies of heaven is calling his army together. And he's saying, it's time for us now. I'm calling you to a more radical lifestyle. I'm calling you not only just to seek holiness for your life, but the two great universal calls that the Second Vatican Council said are for every single Catholic. I love paragraph 37, you guys, Lumen Gentium, the Magna Carta document of the Second Vatican Council. It, said, it says, Christ our King has shared with us His power that he won through his victory over sin and death and from victory on the cross and his resurrection to do two things. Power to conquer sin in our own lives that call to holiness. And number two, power to lead the brethren we know in the world to our king. Isn't that awesome? Universal call to holiness, universal call to mission. Why are you in this world? To make a ton of money? and live a comfortable life and play golf for the next 30 years and hang around with the right people? I mean, play golf. I'm not, I don't have anything against it. I love it. I'm not any good, but I love it. You are put on this earth because the king has branded you by his spirit and in you has been given power. Power to conquer sin and power to lead people to the king. That's what is emerging here, I see, in Mass Impact, in Image Trinity, and and the work here, there's, there's something bursting forward here. Is it the answer for the whole world and the whole, the whole church? No. It's an expression of what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing with the church. This is a missionary moment. And what I love about it is it's not a new lay movement that's doing something outside a parish. This is a, this is a piece that the Lord is raising up to help parishes. I really think it's, 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 a, it's a significant thing and I think the Lord wants you to have confidence in it and, and, the, and to see finally, I'll end here, that one thing I'm totally convinced of, seeing this in places all around Europe, in the world, when, when Catholics 
get radicalized in the, in the healthiest sense of that word. And they develop patterns of prayer, commitment, sacrifice together. We're going to come together and we're going to die. We're going to lay down our lives because we see how broken parishes are. We see right in our own backyard how the enemy is trying, you know, to get all our parishes to have arrows pointing downward. And I want to be part of the antidote to help renew and strengthen, to stand with our priests to strengthen our parishes and make them vital centers of countercultural life, a way of life that's healthy. So what is unique in some ways about Mass Impact is some simple practical things. Like it's not just a, let's come together and have a great conference. I like conferences, but those are nice. But you guys are trying to help families pray. That's so important. And it's so rare. It is so rare. Especially rare for dads to lead prayer and to be engaged in prayer. And that's where the, that's where the power is for the, for the strengthening of family, for the domestic church, a family and a body of people who are praying. And so, you know, just with just a few parishes in the diocese sprinkled with a growing number of families who are learning how to pray together and learning how to invite Jesus to be the center of their family life and praying with the church and starting to experience community, starting to experience, wow, I don't just go, I don't just go to get to Philip on Sunday. I don't go to just check off my responsibility. I'm experiencing community. I'm starting to experience brothers and sisters in Christ with Jesus at the center of our relationships. And you know what we're hearing? We're hearing the Lord call us to go. Kind of in the language that I sometimes hear you guys, empty, fill, overflow. Have you guys ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever said that? It's, I think Catholics know what it's like because they're human beings to feel empty. You know, you can feel empty. And we know when the Lord wants to fill us, we know He's calling us to holiness and to be near Him. But overflowing is the great challenge for us in this hour. You know, as I was saying at dinner, Pope Francis is push, was pushing hard in Evangelical Gaudium, laying the foundation to call us more fully into the new evangelization because as great as important as it's been, starting with John Paul II, it's been the priority of the life of the church. For the most part, as Cardinal Avery Dulles said, that call has fallen on deaf ears. It is very difficult to actually... It's, it's not that hard. It is hard because we battle sin, but to say, I want to grow in holiness... I want to be a good man. I want to be a virtuous woman. I want to love the people around me. It's another thing to really say, I hear Christ calling and the Holy Father saying, I ought to be directly engaged in the new evangelization with passion, time, talent, treasure, because he wants to use me in this hour. And that's what I see you guys doing and finding ways and vehicles to make that happen. Help people encounter God help people experience some community and love together. And then the Lord always wants to move us out with that. Not to hunker down together and say, isn't this great? Isn't this secure and wonderful and loving? Yeah, but it's supposed to go out. You know? and, and so I just want to encourage you guys. I feel it. I see it. That's actually why I'm here. Uh, I do like Greg, too. I mean, I do come down and see him on occasion. Not just Stephanie. I like Stephanie a lot more, but I do like Greg. Yeah. Uh, but I, I believe in what you're doing. I feel it. I can taste it. I can see it. There's something special here. 
and it's simple and God's doing it through humble people who are busy and have lots on their plate and, uh, and your yes really matters. And the more you die, the more you say yes and thy will be done, the more sacrifice you make for others, the more the Lord's going to use you. How many of you feel like you've tasted some sense of renewal happening in your parish or in the diocese through this instrument? I mean, you know, do you feel you have moments where you felt it, where you feel like you saw it? Those are promptings from the Lord to say, keep coming, keep coming, keep walking on water. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, be bold. You know, have great confidence in me and watch me do something wonderful through you as you seek to follow me and love together and be a sign, you know? So God's proud of you. God's, I just feel it. I feel it in prayer. He's, he's you know, and as a brother, as a brother in Christ, I'm inspired by you. And I'm inspired by what you do and what you're doing. Uh, and I just want to be here to encourage you for that. So, God bless. Yeah. You know, Mass Impact and Ignite has been gone across the Northwest Ohio now for, for months. And, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people in our diocese have experienced that love. We believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said. When he proclaimed that his body is real food and his blood is real drink. Simply put, Mass Impact is a nonprofit movement seeking the heart of God in the very heart of His Catholic Church. Uh, people just keep kept coming and coming. Not just in a moment, but, but to surrender their entire lives. We desire our hearts to be moved by what moves His. And to see that happening monthly. We are responding to an urgent call at an urgent time. The recent popes, John Paul said, now's the time. This is the moment. We are taking big steps in faith throughout our diocese and beyond. I want to buckle my chin strap and take the field. And we are seeing tremendous growth. I mean, I'm just roused and emboldened to mission, to do something. We cannot do it alone. We need you right now. Please partner with us. Go to massimpact.us right now and click on the Contribute tab. If you and I respond in faith right now, we will see souls in heaven who would not have been there had we said no. It was nothing short of amazing. Does it have that same kind of effect on you? Please go to massimpact.us and contribute. It's time to move. Holy Spirit, come invade us.